Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bitly and Murata Mornings. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. We're talking about it as a staff. Um, we haven't talked about it with the guys just yet. Uh, we feel like there's some things that need to play out first. Uh, talking with the players, we feel like we have a decent idea of what we're trying to do with certain groups and certain combinations. So the more games you can play and work on that stuff, the better. But I'm always confused by the the rhythm and the conditioning deal when you have your last game on Sunday and you could be out until Sunday. You know what I mean? So it's like, how much conditioning can you keep? I think the one good thing though is in our position we'll know exactly who we're going to play and that team will be in the same position as us. So there's no guessing. Like last year we we had to guess and we played against a team that was coming out of the gates ready to go. So I, I think we're in a good spot. There's always something that you can add or get better at. But I think every team's like that. It's Monty Williams, head coach of the Suns, a practice yesterday on the question that all coaches in, uh, in the playoffs are facing right now, especially when you've got your spot locked up like the Suns do, Tim Ring. Yeah. And that is, what do you do these last three games? Is it uh, conditioning? Is it chemistry? Is it stat padding? Is it rest? I mean, how do you... Cons- and there's not a right answer. Nobody has cracked this code and figured it out on how to do it. You got examples on both sides where it's worked. Examples on both sides where it hasn't worked for, for different teams. Well, the Suns are in a very unique position, yes. too, in that they also have a starting lineup that needs more playing time together. Mm-hmm. Usually that's not the case. This is a very, very different situation for most playoff teams going into the end of the regular season, the beginning of the postseason. The Suns have five starters who haven't played all that much together. They played 110 minutes together. So they've got that to factor in as well. And then on top of that, Monty hasn't figured out his rotation yet for the playoffs. He's still tinkering. He's still the mad scientist Monty. (laughs) He's trying to figure that out. So you've got all that in play all under the cloud of potential injury that you now have to weigh in these final three games. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the conditioning issue as well. That's one so thing, what do you do? But that's one thing, and it works against teams like the Suns, and, and, and maybe it's not worth the complaining, but it's one of the difficulties that the play-in tournament creates is time off for the teams that avoided that tournament, and it kind of can be a penalty. For those teams, you heard Monty say they play Sunday. They might not play until the next Sunday or the next Saturday at, at the earliest. So you're talking about a, a full Monday through Friday where there's no basketball because the playing spots have to be claimed. It, 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 it's a very strange situation that the NBA has created. And Vinny, I, I, I've got a I've got a real serious doubt that the Suns are going to play anybody significantly in that Clipper game on Sunday. So really, mm-hmm. the Suns' regular season kind of ends on Friday. So now you're talking about Saturday and Sunday heading into that week off before game one of the playoffs likely starts the following Sunday, probably, maybe. I mean, you're talking about more than a week off 
before playoff basketball begins. Mm-hmm. So you got to kind of keep these guys in good condition. You're thinking maybe a week from today, that Thursday scrimmage out at the uh, the 5G Performance Center where you, you get all the talk about, oh, it was playoff intensity at practice. Right. But that's what you have to do. Right. And then there's also an injury risk there and yes. during practice. And as we saw with Kevin Durant, it doesn't take much to get hurt. No. And you mentioned the, you know, the questions <laughs> yeah. about the rotation and, and something popped up in, in the last game. And that was the DNP for campaign, yep. which I think is pretty significant. Yeah, Landry Shamet is the guard off the bench. He didn't do much offensively. Monty Williams talked about it after the game. James Jones was on with Burns and Gambo yesterday, and he was asked the question, what can Landry Shamet offer uh, that's different from what campaign gives you. He's different. You know, campaign's primary ball handler. Landry's a secondary ball handler. Landry's a little bit bigger. Um, defensively, um, plays not at the point of attack, but weak side and, you know, second side. Um, whereas Cam is a point of attack, you know, for primarily in situations with the point guards. And, you know, so Landry just gives us some versatility, someone different, someone bigger. Um, but, um, you know, we'll see. We have, we have multiple guys that can can play that big defender role too. So I just think this is just one of those situations where um, you look and see what you have while you have time to experiment. Now that wasn't an announcement. It was an experiment, but it kind of plants the seed as maybe something that's possible. And if you go to Landry Shaman as that guard off the bench because you know these rotations shrinked him, that means we're going to see some, some point book in the playoffs as well um, when, when Chris Paul's not out on the floor. Um, I'm a... <laughs> I'm perplexed by it, quite honestly. I'm perplexed by it because it seemed to be so out of left field. Mm-hmm. You would have you would have thought that if there were any one to two sure things off the bench in the playoff rotation, it would be Tory Craig and Campaign. Like those are your two sure things and a right? backup big, probably Bismack to start, and, and probably yeah, yeah, one, yeah, one of the other. So that your, your rotation's at eight. But your two sure things would have been would have been Craig and, and campaign because once sure. again, and, and Suns fans have talked about this, and it's been a roller coaster ride with Cameron Payne this year. It's the third straight postseason where it looked like the Suns' brain trust and front office was willing to put their postseason faith in him as the backup point guard. And you know, two years ago, he was phenomenal in the run to the finals. They don't get there without campaign. Holding down the fort early in that Clippers series with it, with Chris Paul out, he had twenty nine points. Mm-hmm. Was it game two he had 29 mm-hmm. or game one? I mean, one of those games he had 29 points. And it was just about 10 days ago he was starting to show signs of, of regaining some yes. significant scoring prowess. I, I I don't know if it's much of a story right now. If campaign's a DNP tonight again, and the, the rotations could look a lot different, the starting lineup could look a lot different tonight, For, for you know, to be honest about it. Rotations look different every game. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about that. W- what are the chances... You would love to have a set rotation going into the playoffs, obviously. Like, but, everybody has their defined roles. What What are the chances we're just going to have a rotating rotation based on... Very high, in my opinion. Based on whether it be based on matchups, based on opponent, individual matchups. I talked about Based this. on who's playing well. Because Monty gets a lot of heat for this. Why can't he just settle on a rotation? Well, that's half of the equation. The other half of the equation is the guys up for those rotation spots actually grabbing onto them and not letting go. And we have not seen that level of consistency really from anybody on the bench all season long for the Suns. No. So it's got to be rotating rotation. Who's who's your hot hands? Who's your hot hand? And, I mean, la- and, and, and in the last game, 
one of my concerns was that that five some of players, whether it's T.J. Warren, Terrence Ross, Ish Wainwright, uh, Landry Shamit, and Ish Wayne. Uh, no, I mentioned Wainwright, but there was five of them. They were over twelve from the field. They're going to be counted on to hit shots. I can promise you this. Some of those guys are just not going to play. No, I agree with you. That that, that that's a given. But you're right, Vidi. Like Terrence Ross, he give you 31 night, zero the next. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a shorter rotation. But the names may change throughout the course of a playoff series. That 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 may be the case. Yep. Uh, you can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. Coming up next, we are three weeks away from the NFL draft. Are we any closer to the Arizona Cardinals swinging a deal to send DeAndre Hopkins elsewhere? We'll get into that. More Cardinals talk next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings with Tim Ring in for Bick today, live from the Auction Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. After the draft, yeah. you're a team going into the draft and you're yeah. on a pretty big time play making wide receiver and you don't get one. You look to DeAndre Hopkins. If you're in the OBJ sweepstakes, you're in the DeAndre Hopkins sweepstakes. The reality is he's paid like a number one receiver. But unfortunately, because of injuries the last two years, the production hasn't been there. He's got 96 catches in the last two years combined. The last time he had 96 in a season was 2017. So that's a real. I'll throw a flyer team out there. Just if you are the Los Angeles Chargers and you sit there and go we got a really good roster and we go into the draft and we want a receiver or two and they don't they're not there and they don't get them i look at saying well and match deandre hopkins with mike williams and keenan now we're talking about the ability to push the ball downfield hmm. that's dan orlovsky from espn not expecting a deandre hopkins trade until after the draft which again gets underway three weeks from tonight uh, runs April 27th through the 29th. Uh, lots of speculation on what the Cardinals will do that night and that weekend, Tim. But also, lots of speculation. And uh, it seems like a lot of this talk is cooling off on DeAndre Hopkins being able to be traded before the draft. Which could create uh, you know some problems for the Cardinals. If you're not going to have DeAndre Hopkins, he's not going to be part of your team in 2023. Which I felt has felt like fait accompli since the end of, of last yep. season. You obviously want that immediate draft compensation to help the rebuild process. So to do it after the draft, you're not getting any immediate help from possibly moving on from your best receiver. No. First of all, what team now has not been linked to DeAndre Hopkins? Oh, I mean, a whole lot of them. <laughs> throwing out the Chargers now. Yeah. <laughs> um and, also, and the Chargers do have, I mean, a, the market kind of cornered on wide receivers who are really good but don't stay healthy. There's also speculation the Cardinals could flat out release DeAndre Hopkins, and that would be, you know, obviously that would send Cardinal fans into a tizzy, right? Because you just feel like you're you're losing him for no, for no compensation. Yes, uh, a player like DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, you know, the 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 elephant in the room, of course, has always been DeAndre Hopkins just does not want to be here. So you have to try to move him and move him for something. Uh, moving him before the draft obviously would give you draft capital for this year. You know, the problem is the the contract, and and DeAndre Hopkins wants a new deal. He's out, out of out of guaranteed money at this point, and the, the teams are looking at that contract, and you know his production is down. It's a little it's a little disingenuous to say that DeAndre Hopkins' numbers are down because of injuries. Not they were down last year because of the suspension. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think DeAndre Hopkins is necessarily a player that you look at and say he's got injury issues. Two, well, two years ago, yes, yes, and, and I think 
you know, if people are willing to go down that road, injuries and, and, and tying them to last year, everybody got hurt, quote-unquote hurt, for the Cardinals. When, when it was pretty clear how this season was going to end, there wasn't a whole lot of guys playing through some stuff last year. If the Cardinals were in the playoff race, Hopkins would have been on the field. Yes, I, yes. I, I don't think that I was agree. that was not that was not the issue. So yeah, the question is, Vinny. I mean, the Cardinals were obviously hanging out for trying to hang on for a second round pick. How, how low will the Cardinals go, and what team will possibly give them? I mean, would you would you trade DeAndre Hopkins for a fifth round pick at this point? Not at this point. We get to draft night. Yeah, I want some immediate compensation if I'm not going to have DeAndre Hopkins. Because again, you brought it up, and it's very pertinent to this whole discussion. We're of the belief that DeAndre Hopkins doesn't want to be here anymore. He hasn't been overtly open about it. He hasn't come out and said those things. It could get yep. to that point. Um, so yeah, I think three weeks before the draft, Monty Austin Ford is right to be holding firm. Uh, but then you gauge the interest in the league, uh, you know, for DeAndre Hopkins services, and you hear these quotes from Field Yates, and you start to think differently. Maybe this has been the off season defined by stories that haven't yet happened, mm-hmm. and one of them is the DeAndre Hopkins trade, and all seems to be very quiet out of Arizona as Hopkins remains under contract for two more seasons with this roster. And while everybody has posted a photo of DeAndre Hopkins in a jersey, <laughs> not with the Arizona Cardinals, no deal has materialized. And for what I've heard. Things remain extremely quiet on the DeAndre Hopkins trade front. Might uh, pick up. You don't know. Again, three weeks until the draft. Mike Sando was a guest of uh, Wolf and Luke yesterday. Said uh, that contract, probably a problem for other teams. I think the contract is probably problematic for other teams, too. And then what would the expectations be for DeAndre Hopkins on a new contract, right? If another team's not going to do it. So DeAndre Hopkins, for all we know, may prefer just getting a chance to go to the market right and have his own way so whoever's acquiring him would have to have probably have conversations with him uh, about the salary and what the future and expectations are it's a couple weeks ago tim i asked bickley the question if this is indeed the end for deandre hopkins in arizona how would you sum up how would you you know look back on this three-year stint of hopkins as a cardinal because every cardinals fan was over the moon that day that they were able to acquire him. For what they gave up, it was considered a steal by Steve Keim that he absolutely pulled the wool over the eyes of Bill O'Brien and the Houston Texans. But now you look at it three years later, and there's outside of a you know a couple of highlights and one really, really productive season, there's not much to point at. And I also have difficulty doing it now without knowing what they get for him, if they do indeed trade him. Uh, you have the Hale Murray. Yeah. You have the seven and zero start, and then a whole lot of nothing, right? Yeah. I mean that that's it, and you have not a whole lot of winning, and you have no playoff wins, and that's that. If you release them after June, you got a cap savings of nineteen point four million dollars, Vinny, which is there's some financial relief that's significant doing that, but <laughs> and these are but these are and these these are Monty Austinfort mm-hmm. concerns. These are not. Fan driving in the car concerns. You want the you want the draft pick. You want to get better as a football team, but there are other there are other concerns for the organization and how you rebuild your football team. These are all things that that they have to consider and think about. But it just sucks, and it also sucks because we just gave up a first round pick for Hollywood Brown. There's that too, <laughs> and we can't get Bupka for DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> like, and I know how fans think because I think the same way. 
Like, what the hell's going on here? It's like, just weird. You're on the door. Oh, go ahead, Jared. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, Thunder Dan Bickley always points out these same... <laughs> he, he points out how, like, the this is the time of year where people covet draft picks to a degree they that you never see elsewhere. It, it's ridiculous that, you know, we talk about the Suns, the Cardinals moving from the third to the fourth pick. To move one pick, they could get like a, a first round pick, a second round pick, next year's third round pick. Uh-huh. To get a Hall of Fame wide receiver still in his prime. Right. They can't even get a fifth round pick. Well, I, I, let's say you're the Buffalo Bills and you're trying to get over the hump for the Super Bowl. Like, I mean, I know he costs a lot of money. But you can't give Josh Allen DeAndre Hopkins for a second-round pick to, to pair with Stephon Diggs to try to get over the Kansas City Chief hump? I think we're all in agreement. I think there's th- like, this is one of the reasons why nobody in this room is an NFL general manager. <laughs> well, maybe I should Not be. Doggone it. But it just goes to also the sort of thing that, like, unless you're a quarterback, and even a quarterback now we're thinking, but nobody wants to pay anybody in the NFL. The contracts seems to be a, a bigger problem there than anywhere any other league. I would agree with that. And man, have they have they devised and over the years developed a very very complicated and hard to follow salary cap structure. And also, also like if you, again to use my Bills uh, example, you tear up the Hopkins contract and make it more salary cap friendly and kick the can down the road. Give the, him the give him the bonus. I mean, you know, this, the DeAndre Hopkins. You can less need that sucker. The equivalent player <laughs> for DeAndre Hopkins in the NBA or, or baseball would be waking, making way more money per year than he makes. It's just funny how what the value of these players are. Well, I mean, his his cap hit is still near the top of the wide receiver scale, so it's not like he's underpaid. There's it, that. That's not the question. And the complications are in the contract. That's what's making this weird. And you you got to wonder too. People bring up the injuries. I wonder how teams feel about the six game PED suspension. That's something you got to consider. Is that a one time thing? Is this going to happen again? DeAndre Hopkins came out and said, "Yeah, you'll get the whole story." And uh, what I was able to find out and, and after the season, we didn't hear word one from that. It's also it's not like Ryan Braun though that like when he came back from the, the suspension, he looked like a different player. I mean, Patrick Peterson got signed. I, I you know I right. I mean, he did. I mean, I mean. <laughs> But he's he was also past his prime. It wasn't costing top dollar to get Patrick Peterson. Very true. Yeah. You can uh, text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line. It's open at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, Sarah Gazelle will take us through the big stories of the day in the Rush Hour Reboot. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Happy Thursday, my people. Welcome into the Rush Hour Reboot here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Although it's not Bickley and Murata today, it is Murata and Tim Ring, the ringer. Yo. Just top-notch fill-in. Absolutely. We get you caught up on the top stories of the day every single day at this time. So, hi, Sarah Cazell here with Vince Murata. Everything ends badly. Otherwise, it wouldn't end. Dang. (laughs) That's how we're starting this thing off? Yeah. Tim Ring. 
wrong, your tone of voice is wrong. This is your opportunity for here. you. Playing football in West Canaan may have been the opportunity of your lifetime, but I don't want your life. <laughs> Devastating. Classic. Devastating. Don't want your life. <laughs> I don't want your life. I don't want your life. Vanderbeek. I don't want your life. Uh, Jared Carlin's here, too. He worked with me for years, and I still gave him the finger. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That was that was maybe the best three-bite start we've ever had to this yes. thing. All right, let's start out with the Phoenix Suns and the Denver Nuggets. They are playing tonight for the second time this week, or in a week, I should say. They played last night, at, uh, last Friday night at Footprint Center. The Suns won by seven, and four Nuggets starters were sitting out in that one. It's probably going to be a similar vibe tonight. Last night, they uh, locked in the top seed in the West with the Grizzlies losing to the Pelicans. So the Nuggets are the one seed. The Grizzlies and the Kings are still grappling for the two and three seeds. And of course, the Suns own the fourth seed. Here is Monty Williams at practice yesterday. The Suns coach explaining the advantage of being the four seed rather than the one or two. Most teams, I would imagine in that situation, they have designated coaches who are looking at everybody. But from a mental standpoint, you're thinking about all those teams as opposed to, you know, come Sunday evening, we'll know exactly who we're going to play and we can just dive into that preparation and, 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 and the players. So I think that's a good thing. Um, so I'm, that's the one drawback of the playing tournament that can not necessarily hurt teams, but it is a bit of a disadvantage as far as preparation is concerned. All right, so basically... The Suns get to hone in on the Clippers or the Warriors. They're both uh, two and a half games back of the Suns right now. Clippers Mm -hmm. with the tiebreaker. While the Nuggets and and presumably the Grizzlies, if they lock in the two seed, they'll have to wait for the play-in tournament to figure out who they will be playing. All right, so let's look at that play-in tournament. This morning, it would be the Lakers, the Pelicans, the Timberwolves, and the Thunder. That's the seven through the ten. So two teams escape. Which play-in team of those four can go the farthest in the playoffs. Which of those teams do you think can make the most noise? The Lakers, the Pelicans, the T-Wolves, or the Thunder? It's a great question. I think there's only one answer. If it's obviously the Lakers, what's your second choice? <laughs> no. no. I, Is it obvious? It's not obvious. I, th- listen, if, if Zion Williamson comes back, those Pelicans, are they're dangerous, boys and girl. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... Go ahead, Vinny. Go if, ahead. If Zion comes back... <laughs> I know. How many hundreds of okay, times? fly. Hey, and also, okay, but what are you basing the Lakers thing on? If LeBron and AD stay healthy? That's the same. Uh, kind of, at least they're healthy will. to start with, Jared. Same well, refrain. Same even with two Hall of Fame players, even still without two top five players, right, but top even, six players. Even without Zion, those Pelicans are plucky. They're plucky. So is it is <laughs> is it New Orleans for you, Tim Ring, and LA for you? Yes, Vince Morata. Yes. Well, no, I, I I do believe as as currently constructed, yes. uh, the Lakers are more dangerous because as Vince. Uh, I, says the uh, AD and LeBron are on the court where Zion is not. Yes. But there are not some yet. rumblings that Zion could be back uh, for the postseason. But until we actually see that, the Lakers are a more dangerous team. The, Pel- the Pelicans potentially could be a dangerous team mm-hmm. come playoff time. But even, w- even without Zion, they, they 
Th- th- they, they could do some damage. That's right. Yeah, they could do some damage now. All right, let's take you a look. Are you, on the, are you, you on, on the Pelicans just... payroll? <laughs> awfully nice to the Pelicans yes. today. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> Plucky. <laughs> Over in the Eastern Conference, guys, two nights ago, the Sixers beat the Celtics 103-101. Joel Embiid scored half of his team's points, 52 of the 103 for, for Philly. After that win, Doc Rivers said, guys, the MVP race is OVA over. The MVP race is over. I, I'm really like tonight. We had we couldn't make shots. We had guys making shots uh, with open shots. The man just scored half our points in the NBA game, um, and I'm biased. But the MVP race is over. Joel Embiid reacted to that statement. Um, I mean, I don't know. Uh, they're probably right, but we got bigger goals. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, like I said, that's probably right, but we got bigger goals in mind. Uh, you know, we uh, we understand we got a chance, but it's not going to be easy. Guys, is the MVP race over? I think it should be. I don't think it is, but I think it should be. I think it's Embiid. Nikola Jokic has had a great year. Denver's number one, but they are fading. Slumping. They are slumping, and he's not exactly matching. You know, and he's dealing with an injury down the stretch, too. I think all of those things are factors. And I also think for some voters, Tim, you'll get that that fatigue. Like, we can't vote for Nikola Jokic three years in a row. It exists for whatever reason. Sorry. But I think Embiid has, has, has earned it. I think he's, he's the MVP. Yeah, and Giannis might be second. Oh. I agree. I, I think there's a little bit of fatigue. But you give it to a guy three years in a row. I mean, it's happened before. Well, how many guys have won three in a row? Larry Bird. Larry Bird. Larry Has Bird. Larry Bird. <laughs> Three-point field goal, Larry Bird. Uh, Bill Russell did it. 60 to 63. So. Uh, Chamberlain, 65 to 60. So only three guys. Yeah. Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, Larry Bird. Really? We've not seen anyone since Larry Bird did it. Also, Embiid, wow. Vinny just mentioned Embiid is finishing strong. Jokic, whether it be injury or load management or a little bit of coasting down the stretch, not finishing as strong. <laughs> Certainly. There you go. All right. It should be over. It, OVA over. <laughs> All right. Quickly, the D-backs have their home opener tonight. Let's go. After road series at the Dodgers and the Padres before the season started, we we were concerned about the brutal scheduling to start off the season and how the D-backs could very well play their home opener with one or no wins under their belt. Fortunately for them, that's not the point. Uh, they they beat the uh, excuse me the Padres eight six the other day. They've got three wins. Um, how do you assess what you have seen so far from the D backs? It's it's weird. It's kind of I'm kind of divided on it because I think we saw especially in that last win over the Padres, D backs style baseball on how they're going to win games and how they're going to make things difficult for opponents. You know, with their running game, by playing small ball, by doing the little things. But I also think that the offense does need to pick up. They do need more punch in the lineup, and there's some guys that are just not swinging the bat well to start the season. It happens every year, but got to get guys like Alec Thomas going. Um, and so I'm a little bit, little bit mixed on it. Hopefully, a return home will get the bats going a little bit. I, I just think overall, Sarah, to come out of that that six game stretch, three and three. Yes, that's the bottom line. Yeah, they, they won baseball games. They found ways to get wins. 
And the last couple of years, that has not always been the case. Sure. And they went on the road against two of the best teams in baseball, and they found a way to get out of their 500. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, that to me, that, that, that showed me a little something about... While very, very early. Of course. Show me a little something about the moxie and character of the baseball team, at least for an opening road trip on the season. So would you say these D-backs could be considered plucky? plucky. <laughs> <laughs> hey, should we ask Derek Hall next? Yes. President and CEO of the D-backs, are does, they plucky? Does he like the word plucky? Are you plucky? We'll do that. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> Thank you. Rush Hour Reboot every morning at 730. We'll find out from uh, Derek Hall what adjectives he would use to describe his team. Six games into the season. That's next. It's Bickley Murata Mornings. Tim Ring in for Bick today here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Mr. Speaker, the President of the United States. I have the high privilege and the distinct honor to present to you the President. He's the president and CEO of your Arizona Diamondbacks. Hail to the chief. Derek Hall. The president. On now with Bickley and Murata. And Derek Hall joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line on the day of the home opener 2023 at Chase Field. Good morning, Derek. How are you? Good morning, my friends. Doing great. What uh, a day it is. Yes. Uh, let's reflect before we before we look ahead. Let's reflect on the six-game road trip to start the season. And, yeah, uh, you know, I, I thought I thought it went very well from a, a record standpoint. I don't think we played as well as we could have. Mm-hmm. I don't think we pitched as well as we could have. Um, and for us to to somehow escape at three and three is a is a great sign. And we we arguably should have swept the Padres when we yes. had the lead going into the ninth on the first game. You know, Monday night. So there was a chance of we got out of there four and two. But I will take three and three any any time. How do you feel about the adjective plucky? Plucky, we're, we're a bit plucky. Yeah, you know, I, I think this team, and, and you said it earlier, Vince. It's so true. I mean, they're, uh, you know, if you, if you have to think of adjectives, I think it's 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 sneaky, it's youthful, it's pesky. You know, this is a team that, and they started to play that way the last couple of games. It, it's what we saw at the end of last year. It's why, you know, I shared the story with with you and Vic, um, you know, a month ago or, or or less. But when I was at the owners' meetings, and I had so many different teams come up to me and say, "We hated playing you guys at the end of last year. You guys." Well, that's the team that, that should scare you know these other teams. You get in their head because you are fast, you're athletic. They, they know you're going to be running. You're going to put the ball on the ground. You're going to drag bunt. I mean, that's that's exciting baseball. I think our fans have been excited for this season because they saw that at the end of last year. But that's why those adjectives should stick, and I hope we see a lot more of that. All right, the opening day, a little slice of Americana. Nothing quite like it. A little, it's romantic. Uh, it's nostalgic. What goes through your mind on what is a very special day, whether you you're a fan, whether you work for the organization, whether you play, whether you're in the big chair like yourself, give me your thoughts on opening day. Yeah, Tim, you got it. I mean, it is, it is, uh, it's a party. It's something different. You know, you come into the ballpark, you got the red, white, and blue bunting. It's just a, a little more special first pitch and anthem. And, you know, you get to your seat early. But, but what always sticks out to me, and, and I've had, you know, I've been in this game over 30 years, a lot of opening days, but a lot of fans are coming here just for opening day. So we have to put on our best show possible. And when you have that many people in the stands, and there's times like this where you say, thank goodness we have over 50,000 capacity, right? It's when you, when you have 
that's 17,000 on a weekday, you go, boy, I wish this place was smaller, more intimate. But when you have that mm-hmm. many people here, like mm-hmm. we will tonight, we have to treat them really well and make sure that they want to come back, that they're not just going to come to one game. Um, but, but more importantly, you know, they're coming here to, to see a team that seems to be turning the corner, that has turned the page, and, and they know that we've been building this for a few years. So I think there's going to be just a little added buzz here. And as always, there's going to be a lot of fans wearing Dodger blue. Yeah, which is unfortunate, but uh, just yeah. kind of a reality of the times. Derek Hall, president and CEO of the Diamondbacks, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. With the new season, with the home opener, there's always new things for the fans to enjoy at the ballpark. What are, what are some of the new things fans can can look forward to this year at, at Chase Yeah, Fielder? well, we're always adding, as you know, we're always adding new food stands and, and concepts, and we have uh, our chef, Steve Tilder. He's now got a new stand, which is a Euro stand. We have a new barbecue stand, which is D-backs uh, Barbecue Alley. Um, so, so a lot of different concepts and stands. We're also bringing music. We saw during the World Baseball Classic that obviously fans like energy. They like music. So we're, we, we sampled DJs during those games and it worked out well. So we'll have a DJ on the, on the plaza and in the rotunda. And then for big weekend game, or actually every weekend game and then big weekday games, we're going to have a DJ booth out in section 104 in right field, um, along with the new Casamigos bar and lounge there. So a, a, a lot. I think when fans just take the time to walk around, they're going to see new stands, you're going to see new areas in the ballpark, more grab-and-go because fans have said that's what they like. We have a few new uh, premium areas where there's like four tops and two tops and they have their own TVs and they have um, you know, logoed chairs with rollers and they have access to different lounges downstairs. So there, there's quite a bit new here. I'm glad you asked that. Well, DJs are great for happening hip single guys like Vinny that are always looking for a party. <laughs> but what, what, about, what about struggling dads with lots of kids like me, Derek, that are looking for a deal. What, yeah. kind, what kind of deals for dads that want to bring their kids to the game this year? Yeah, you and I, you and I are going. Uh, come on, kids, we keep moving, keep moving right past the DJ. Uh, and as, as always, you know, we've got our value pricing throughout the ballpark, which you don't see really anywhere else. So, I mean, for kids, we've got hot dog, corn dog, popcorn, soda, milk. You know, two ninety nine throughout the entire ballpark. Which, again, you know, you, you don't see that anywhere. And we still have our our value beer under five bucks which is a 14-ounce beer, um, you're going to get bargains throughout Chase Field. All you have to do is look for the value pricing logo, whether it's in the team shop or at our uh, concession stands, and you're going to catch a break. Derek Hall, President and CEO of the D-backs, our weekly guest here on Bickley Murata Mornings. Back to the on-field product, and, and yeah, I think everybody is, is, is good with 3-3, three and three considering the opposition, considering the, the locations of those first six games, Derek. Uh, but, you know, the bullpen well, was a big... Well, you know, Vince, the travel schedule's really getting to us. <laughs> <laughs> Are you... Okay, LeBron. Who's resting tonight, Derek? Let's get it out there. Uh, no, no, but uh, you know the bullpen obviously was a big concern last year, and we talked about that in, in, a, in a prior visit with you. So far, the one game got away, the first game in San Diego, where you had the lead in, in the ninth inning, but three saves through six games from three different pitchers. Is that a concern? Would you like to see ultimately somebody step up and take that closer role, or do you think Torrey's playing it right? I, well, I think he's playing it right, but I think you know he's still trying to figure out exactly what role everybody is going to have. But but for Chapin to come in in that in that role, you know, and and get a save for the first time in years was really uh, impressive. The way Miguel Castro has pitched uh, was impressive. I think our MVP so far in these six games has been Dre Jamison. Um, you know, and this is a kid that's always been a starter, and he just said, "Give me the ball, and I'll pitch multiple innings," and he's been phenomenal. Uh, I think Ginkle came in, you know, on that Tuesday game, the day game, and. and 
and really shut them down at a time where we needed a, um, a clean inning. And, and Vargas, I mean, you know, you see it just different looks, different arms, a lot of power, fastballs, power slider. That's something we didn't have. So I'm, I'm really happy with the pieces. You know, McGuff had a little trouble, obviously, Monday night, but this is a guy who's who's going to be very effective with a splitter that most people aren't used to seeing. You know, you see that over in Japan where they teach it, but they haven't seen it here. I like that we just have so many different looks and angles and deliveries, and, and that's something that, like, you know, Kevin Towers used to be a master of when he was our GM. He could put together a bullpen, and everyone in that bullpen had a different look, and eventually they had a different role, but a specified role. I think that's where you prefer to be, but in the meantime, if you have to do it by committee and you're, you're going by matchups, and the fact that you have to face a minimum of three batters really makes a difference. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's why a lot of times you can't just stick to a role um, as much as you would like to identify that. Sure. Hey, Derek, it's only been, been six games, but what, what are you hearing feedback-wise so far from either fans or players, even Zach Gallen maybe, uh, about the, the rule changes and just how, how they've gone so far? I, I can't imagine any fans would have a problem with the game times so far in terms of these games getting in uh, many times under two and a half hours, which has been they, obviously they fantastic, right? Yeah, yeah, Tim, they love it. I mean, the feedback from the fans has been great. I haven't gotten much feedback from the players yet. Um, I, I don't see it, you know, as, as much of a problem. I also think our guys are trying to take advantage of all this, you know, all the rules uh, changes, and, and we thought that was going to be the case, that it would be an you know, advantage to us because of our speed, our athleticism, and, and now we're starting to see it. As far as the pitch clock, it's something that everybody's going to adjust to, but we have such a young team, most of them have already experienced it at the minor league level. It's going to take some adjustment with some of our veterans, as you mentioned, but I, I think the guys are fine, and I can tell you, um, they are so locked in and focused, they're not looking for excuses. Having sat, you know, right next to the dugout in San Diego, and you're, you're literally in the dugout, I'm hearing most conversations, these guys are, I mean, it, when I say locked in, they are locked in. So they're not worried about clocks. They're not worried about violations. They just want to win. Yeah. Derek, great. thanks for the time and the conversation. As always, hope everything goes smoothly tonight and hope uh, you get to celebrate a win on opening night. Hey, thank you, guys. Vince, appreciate it. Tim, great to talk to you as always. Good luck, brother. Talk okay, to you man. next week. Derek Hall, President CEO of the Arizona Diamondbacks, our guest on the Arizona Sports Line. Coming up next, Suns gearing up for the postseason. We'll get into all of it next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings with Tim Ringin for Bick here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.